Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada makes an $850 million commitment to the coronavirus global response. To work together on accelerating the global development of COVID-19 vaccines, treatments, and testing. We all share a common goal, ending this pandemic. And Canada is stepping up to do its part. Andrew Scheer calls for a more normal routine for Parliament. More and more provinces lift restrictions. Conservatives expect Parliament to be given a proper opportunity to review and debate government legislation and to hear from witnesses about its potential impacts as we normally would. And Canada's top doctor responds to claims from the U.S. president that COVID-19 originated in a Chinese lab. I don't think we've seen any specific information to say that this is a laboratory accident or release, uh, but um, I, at the same time, we don't know the exact origins of this uh, virus. It's Tuesday, May 5th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Mark. So Canada has made a commitment of $850 million to the coronavirus global response that's being led by the European Union. There are some critics out there who are talking about this as money going to the World Health Organization, which has obviously faced a lot of scrutiny and and criticism recently. Uh, What do you think about this commitment and what is the money going to go towards and, and how will it in the end help Canadians? Well, I think uh, it was interesting yesterday to see all of them lined up, all the world leaders, except notably Donald Trump, uh, the U.S. representative on this sort of uh, leader-by-leader parade of of speeches was Bill Gates, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, actually. It was Melinda Gates who spoke. But um, So a a lot of what uh, the Prime Minister announced yesterday is money that's already been spent. And the main theme you saw from all the world leaders was, yes, this is a time when all of us are tempted to retrench, but um, if this virus spread worldwide, and it's going to have to be fought worldwide. So I think the major focus you saw there is on a vaccine. And uh, there will be questions about when a vaccine ever comes. Do the people of that nation get preferential treatment to it? Uh, do uh, how do you ramp up um, a worldwide effort? We know how the world can work together in shutting down borders. We're not so clear on how they open up borders. We're not so clear on on how the world works together to come up with you know vaccinations worldwide. Um, all of those questions were touched on in that, and it was sort of heartening to see how many countries showed up. There was Boris Johnson, you know, um, a new father, um, uh, surviving a near-death experience with COVID himself, talking about all of this. But um, Trudeau came up, I think he was about number six in the world leaders, seven. He came after Emmanuel Macron and Boris Johnson, but talking about how Canada was... Um, not going to isolate itself from the world. And I think that's a that's a coded message to Donald Trump, who is cutting himself off from the world. And many leaders spoke up in favor of the World Health Organization, which, as we know, Donald Trump has defunded, at least for the next couple of months. Uh, the World Health Organization and China are, have been getting the blame 
for this virus, as we're all now seeking someone to blame. And um, the you, you saw the world yesterday sort of um, putting its arms around the World Health Organization, more or less, and saying this requires a world response. We're talking about going back to work, of course, and there are concerns being raised about whether there are disincentives uh, for people to do that because of the benefits that have been uh, provided to Canadians who are not working right now. This is uh, kind of a new version, a, a pandemic version of a classic argument that has been made before, that if you provide too much support in the form of employment insurance or welfare benefits to Canadians, uh, that they aren't going to, that there's no incentive for them to actually find a job. Uh, are there going to be people who, who say, you know what, uh, I'm going to stay at home, uh, either, uh, I guess some people would portray it out of laziness or, or because they're concerned about the, the risk of infection if they actually do return to a workplace? Yeah, this is a real issue bubbling up, and you're right to call it an age-old debate. I think we all remember, or those of us who have been around a while, uh, the beer and popcorn uh, um, comments from uh, liberal days past. It's usually liberals uh, who have been accused of this. I go even farther back. Jean Chrétien got in a lot of trouble very early in his mandate by saying unemployed people want to sit home and drink beer. Um, it is the, It's the idea that uh, once you give Canadians money to do nothing, they will stay at home. Um, usually the backlash to that is rather severe, which is why it's so interesting to see Sheer, um, the Premier of uh, New Brunswick, Blaine Higgs, I heard him uh, talking about this yesterday, the PEI Premier, have all mentioned this idea of we need people to go back to work, but these incentives are, uh, these benefits are are weighing heavily on them. I'm going to be interested to see whether there is a public backlash to this, like the beer and popcorn thing. People have been at home, as you said, out of, um, are, and some of them are staying home because they, um, out of fear. Uh, a lot of people have not stayed home because of aversion to work. It's aversion to a virus. So the next few days are going to be interesting to see whether the Conservatives, who really want that you know, suburban, every man kind of vote or every man and every woman kind of vote, uh, uh, whether this is going to sound a bit tone deaf to uh, or whether that that message of, of slackers, basically, you're all slackers, is going to is going to uh, bite them for saying this. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's a virtual meeting of Parliament happening today, as we saw last week. Andrew Scheer, the Conservative leader, is saying we need to get back to normal when it comes to Parliament. Do you think we are going to see more in-person meetings going forward? I do not, no. I think this this once-a-week thing um, in person is about all they're going to do, at least until the summer break. Like, let's face it. If this, this these were normal times, Parliament would be meeting only for about another five or six weeks. And I think we're not going to be anywhere close back to normal in five or six weeks in the real world. We'll probably be a long way toward that. But I would expect we're not going to be talking about more in-person sessions in Parliament until at least the fall. And we, we see university schools, they're all staying out, um, with the exception of Quebec, um, but uh, but I I just don't think because of the travel involved for for members of parliament even when they keep it down to this scaled down session it still involves a lot of people having to go into work and 
you're seeing already with the nervousness in Quebec about uh, return to normal. Canadians are going are are very wary themselves of returning to work as normal, and I don't think there's any expectation that Parliament is going to be needed back to normal anytime soon. And what about the Conservative leadership race? What are you expecting in terms of how that plays out in these unusual circumstances uh, where you can't have rallies, you can't have in-person get-togethers? It's it's going to be a different dynamic. You know, after this is uh, the dust has settled on this too, we are going to be, I think politics, this has been an overdue conversation in politics, is why do you have to do it the way you did it in the 1800s, you know, with in-person rallies and those those um, tours, you know, um, which are punishing for the people involved, um, that, that we are going to have to find a, a new way of doing politics anyway. Um, so that in itself, the logistics are going to be an interesting thing to watch, how you have, how you make politics less of a contact sport, and I mean the, the, the literal physical way of it. Um, it's also getting interesting. Remember, Peter McKay wanted a really quick uh, leadership vote, and now we're seeing why, is because it does look like his lead is kind of evaporating, and that there's a real contest between Aaron O'Toole and Peter McKay and then um, the two other contenders who are social conservatives, that um, the dynamics around this race are are fascinating. There's been some call, there was a good column by Andrew Coyne last week too, that maybe it's time for a total reset of the conservative leadership race. Just, you know, wipe the slate and start all over again because the world has changed so much. And hmm. I've, I've been hearing that as well. But uh, I don't think it's logistically possible. But it, it does look right now like the conservative leadership race is functioning in some other world that we kind of used to remember. Just a quick thought from you, Susan, on this whole debate over whether the coronavirus started in a lab in China. The Prime Minister has been asked about it recently. Um, there are all kinds of conspiracy theories and allegations, and of course, uh, it's a dominant theme in, in Donald Trump's messaging. So what do you think about that and the discussion around it? Uh, you can see Canada has, uh, is not wanting to go anywhere near this one, too. And uh, there, there's all kinds of reasons for that, too, is in the United States, uh, which is very polarized, and, and uh, Donald Trump is trying to whip up this idea that uh, that this was, you know, he used to call it the invisible enemy, this virus, and now he's trying to make it a visible enemy. And uh, turning this into a war between the Western world and China is probably not the best way of getting out of this pandemic. But as we see, um, Canada has, has tried very deliberately to be not Donald Trump in this whole pandemic. And uh, uh, the Prime Minister looked awkward yesterday when, when asked about it because Canada just does not want to get into that war. It, it, every time it gets in the middle of a war between Donald Trump and China, we end up losing. We have two Canadians still held prisoner there. Um, and uh, and the whole, you know, every kind of battle we had with China before this. So I, I think just as Canada was trying to be wary of getting involved in this one before the pandemic hit, I do not expect Canada to get anywhere near this one. 
All right, Susan, great to have your thoughts on all these topics today. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Decisive action taken by premiers across the country has flattened the curve. But in order to avoid a second or third wave, we need federal action, not more confusion and delays. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In an editorial, the Toronto Star argues Conservatives must decide if they want to be part of the post-pandemic world. The Star writes, The Conservative Party has taken a tough situation and made it even worse. At crucial moments in the COVID-19 crisis, its leader and the candidates vying to replace him have taken careful aim and shot themselves in the foot. If they want to be a party of power, they're going to have to appeal to voters in the centre of the political spectrum. Yet they are doubling down on an appeal to the social conservative right. At McLean's, Andrew McDougall argues, Justin Trudeau's greatest asset is his ability to connect with people, and it's been missing in his responses to the pandemic. McDougall writes, Trudeau has been out nearly every day since Canada went into lockdown, but seen from another angle, he has been strangely absent. The Prime Minister, who loves to road trip across the country, connecting with Canadians on listening tours, isn't reaching out much at all. There is precious little in the way of a personal touch, or much in the way of empathy, either. Trudeau's secret weapon, his freakish ability to connect, is being left in the locker. At Policy Options, Ratna Omidvar asks if Canada will be as open to immigrants after COVID-19. Omidvar writes, For most of its history, Canada has been an open country. We welcome immigrants at one of the highest rates in the world. And we know that newcomers' success leads to collective success economically and socially. But will open Canada still exist once the crisis is averted and the borders are reopened? That is a choice we as a nation will have to make. This pandemic will change the national psyche, and how we respond is an open-ended question. Now here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The House of Commons will reconvene for its second virtual session today. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on what to watch for. Mark, at noon Eastern time, the House of Commons will begin its second-ever virtual sitting. More precisely, MPs will gather via teleconference for a second-ever sitting of the Special Committee on COVID-19. It'll be interesting to watch this second attempt at a virtual parliament after last week's historic debut. That roughly three-hour session was plagued by some technical glitches, but they were mainly just questions of audio, as almost 290 of the Commons' 338 MPs took part from their homes or their offices, with the Speaker of the House presiding over it all here in Ottawa. All in all, it was quite a success for something which had never been attempted before in Canadian history. This week's virtual sessions will get into full swing, with one today and one on Thursday, and that'll be the routine for the next few weeks. There'll also be a a five-and-a-half-hour in-person sitting, uh, real sitting of the House of Commons, on Wednesdays. Today's session is slated to last about two hours. Most of it will be taken up by a question-and-answer session, with the opposition grilling the Prime Minister and government ministers. For the opposition Conservatives, you can expect them to attack the government, demanding a more explicit national strategy for reopening the economy, criticizing the government on its economic programs, and asking for a national testing strategy. The Bloc Québécois, NDP and Greens will target issues such as workplace safety in the reopening of the economy with issues like meat plants and vulnerable workers. There'll be the question of increased aid for seniors and obviously the question of the continuing crisis in Canada's long-term care homes and what the federal role might be. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of Sudan before holding his daily update on the coronavirus situation. 
He will also attend the virtual meeting of the Special Committee on the COVID-19 pandemic. And Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchette will hold a press conference in Ottawa. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, May the 5th. Tune into CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.